So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, hockey fans. Welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner, joined today by Mark Scheig and Dan Harrison, along with our co-host Chris Lisa, and today is episode number 161, believe it or not, and our fourth annual NHL mock draft. It's going to be a great time. We're going to go through the first 15 picks in the draft, uh, all the lottery positions, and we're going to figure out where these guys want everything slotted. Um, Stay tuned. We're ready to go. All right, the last NHL game has been played in the season. We've we got as many as possible in the final, um, a classic final, I think, one for the ages. We'll get into that a little bit later in the show. Um, we're joined by Mark Scheig. He covers the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Cleveland Monsters, and the Eriotters of the OHL for thehockeywriters.com. Dan Harrison is with us today. He is a contributing writer for the Tampa Bay Lightning Insider, and he appears on the Power Play Show, and you can find that on the Lightning Radio Network. Chris Lisa, our co-host here at the Vegas Hockey Podcast, writes for the Ion Isles FS website covering the Islanders. You can find him on Twitter, at the NL King. Gentlemen, good day to all of you, sir. Chris, let me start with you. And just real quick, we want to get right into the draft here. Mark Scheig's limited on time. Um, What about this draft, sir? What stands out to you the most? I think what's interesting to me is from three to 12, uh, one person could like someone at three and the next person could like that same player at nine or 12. Uh, I think after the first two, depending upon which order they go, then after that, I think it's, it's, it's really fascinating. All right. Let's welcome Mark Scheig into the show. Uh, Mark, how many players that could be picked in this first 15 might we see in the NHL next season? Two for sure, and I would say there's a possibility of a third depending on how they do over the summer. I think it's pretty obvious Jack Hughes could do it. Capo Caco can do it. Um, the other guy that I think would be very interesting to talk about, you know, to Chris's point about their you know, being someone that might be a little bit more liked than others depending on the team, I actually think Dylan Cousins is really close. He's got the physical makeup to do it. Um, he actually set himself with a combine. If he has a really good summer, he feels like that he could jump right into the NHL next season. All right, and I'll welcome in Dan Harrison. Dan, um, where do you find most of the depth in this draft, forwards or defense? Well, you know, I think it's pretty uh, – you know, there's enough of both, but I think it's very heavy forwards, especially in the first couple rounds. I think we're going to see an awful lot of forwards – being taken, you know, uh, Chris mentioned from pick three through 12, there, it, it, it depends mostly on, on the team picking. And most of the players that I have on my mock draft that I'm looking at here 
they're forwards. So I think it's heavily uh, heavy on the forwards, for, at least for the first couple rounds. All right, all right. And and, and what I notice is uh, going through the rankings internationally and nationally, there's uh, – could be quite a bit of an international flavor here at the uh, first 15 picks. Mm-hmm. There's some, some highly ranked Russians. Um, the, the Europeans in the last five years, I think, have, have really uh, embraced the NHL style of game and are, are moving their way up draft boards every year. And, and the U.S. national team development, um, big steps, big steps. And I, I think quite a few of those players could go in the top 15 as well. So let's jump right into it. We're going to get to the number one overall pick. And we got Dan Harrison on the board for the New Jersey Devils. And listen, uh, mock or set up or not, I, don't, I wouldn't want the GM that passes on a potential generational player you know Apple has been coming up the boards lately, but I, I, New Jersey Devils are selecting Jack Hughes, number one. Yeah, I, I, I got to agree with you there. He's uh all-world center, 5'10", 171 with a left-handed shot. Um, you know, every his skating is off the chart. His, his hockey IQ and, and his vision on the ice is, is above every other center that we have in the draft. Um, 112 points in 50 games last season, and his career, uh, 228 points, is also a record for the NTDP. Um, you can't. You got Nico Heischer in in the draft, um, and now you put Jack Hughes in. You're building your depth down the center for the next 10 years, and I I don't think anybody can disagree with taking Jack at number one overall. Um, he, and and you know we're going to have another Hughes coming down the pipeline, so it, we're we're entering the Hughes era in the NHL, if you will. And and I think that's a great yep. pick for New, for New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's get right into the second overall pick. The New York Rangers jump into that slot. Um, Shiger, who, who who are the Rangers taking? I think I think it's, you know there's two players on the on the board, and one of them's gone. So. Yep, 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 and. <laughs> It's one of the easiest picks that you can ever find yourself in. When you have two great players like that and you have the second pick, I mean, you really can't go wrong either way. I mean, I agree that Hughes is the better pick in this case, um, but the Rangers are more than happy to take a player like Casso and like you said, who is dominated at, at the Worlds for an 18-year-old like that, where I don't think the Finns had any NHLers on their roster, like current NHLers on their roster they still went in and won a gold medal. So it just kind of shows you the kind of player that he can be. And, you know, the Rangers rebuild all of a sudden is going to be expedited because of this. Um, you know, look out in a couple of years here, you know, John Davidson back at the helm now. So a level of stability going there. And then you get a player like Kako. Um, tell you what, New York, New York area hockey all the way around, Devils with Hughes, Kako with the Rangers. And then you think, Oliver Wallstrom and Noah Dobson are on their way from the Islanders. That tri-state area, that's going to be some really fun hockey to watch. It's going to be like uh, maybe not so much last season, but a couple years ago when you had to do the California swing and you would go through San Jose, Anaheim, and L.A., um, when, when you got to take that, yep. take that New York swing through Long Island, New Jersey, and, and Madison Square Garden, um, 
in, in a couple of years' time, that's going to be a gauntlet to run. There's no question about it. Capococco, uh, 6-2-1-94. And as I was saying earlier about the international game embracing the uh, NHL style of play, the, typically in, in bygone era, you would think of the Euros as, as the, the skating, the flash, um, the finish flash, by the way. Um, <laughs> But uh, he's 6'2", 194. He's not afraid to go into, into the dirty areas. He'll finish his plays. He he's, goes into the corners. He's strong on the puck when he's, uh, when he's up against the half wall. Um, he's in Finland's top league last year, 22 goals in 45 games. That's their r- league record for, for his age group over there. And then he led Finland with six goals in, in the world championship, leading his team to gold medal. Um, he's going to slot in at first line right wing in New York and, and it's, you know, it, it's going to be the the Capococco show there for uh, in a, it, real quick, real quick. Uh, hmm. Great, great first two picks. I don't think we're quite in the McDavid Eichel level on on a one two, but uh, not not too far behind. I think. I think these two players are as close to can't miss as you can get, and and both teams in the first two slots are are, are getting you know. NHL quality players right out of the gate. So, uh, moving on to Chris here with the third round, uh, Chicago Blackhawks. Who do the Chicago Blackhawks take at number three, Chris? Well, you know, this pick screams that the Hawks were desperately in need of a center uh, in their in their pipeline and uh, someone who could be at least a second-line center. And there's a number of really interesting uh, guys. I could see three guys on the board without naming names. Uh, that they could take here. But here's the problem. Uh, the best player to me, by far on the board after the top two, is Bowen Byram. And I get it. The Hawks, in their last three drafts, in their in their top first two rounds in their last three, have taken five defensemen. I get it that four of their five top prospects are defensemen, including last year's eighth overall, Adam Gopolkwitz. Uh, and I get it, they desperately need to take a center, and there's enticing players. But when you read about Byram, you know, they say, you know, you just listen to these descriptions. You know, great skater, explosive, quarterbacks his team, offense, strong, offense, offensive guy, but strong in his own zone to be physical, feeling of a first-pairing defenseman, a playmaker, quick hands, heavy shot, power play quarterback in the making. Dynamic offensively, tremendous upside, good decision making with the puck. I can't pass on that player at this spot. Now maybe Chicago uh, tries to trade out of it. Uh, you know, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world for Sam Bowman to say, "I'm taking Byram and I'm going to build my defense, which takes a lot of work going forward with Byram and Boquist." And you know what? The other top prospects I have who are not getting close to the NHL, they're available for a trade, and I'll use them to trade for a young center. I mean, there's so many teams looking for defense. So, I'm, you know, I'm, I, if I'm running the board and I'm staying at three, I'm taking Byram for the Hawks at three. You know, I, I don't think you can have too many quality defensemen on your pipeline. I think the Vegas Golden Knights have two players, and we'll talk about them later, that <clears throat> that are being looked at by the team as possibly making the club next year. Um on on defense and we we saw the Golden Knights turn their 17th overall pick Eric Bramstrom into Mark Stone so I, I 
if you if you're Chicago and you and you have him ranked as a future number one defenseman, puck mover, power play, uh, elite skating ability that he has, uh, I can't I can't fault that pick either, Chris. I think it you know like you said they need help at center, um, but depth on defense, I don't think you can ever have too much of it. So. Bowen Byram is off the board. 6'2", 195, left-handed shot. Let's move on to Dan with the fourth overall pick. This is the Colorado Avalanche from Ottawa Senators in the Matt Duchesne trade. I I believe number four was the worst they could have pulled out of that. (laughs) Um, I could be wrong wrong in that. but but No, no, that's right. That's right. Okay. As far as the percentages of the ping pong balls, number four was the worst they could have done. Um, there's still a lot of good players on the board. So, Dan, who does Colorado take with the fourth overall well, pick? And not only that, it's, it's the first of two first-round draft picks for the, for, for the Avalanche. Uh, I think they're the, the Avalanche, we're, they're pretty set. And right now I'd say that it's, the the pick is Alex Turcotte, uh, the center. He's a hundred foot player. You know he's speed, and um, I I see him. I, I I see a tremendous upside from Turcotte, uh, and I think on that Avalanche team. Don't forget that out of all the the teams in 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 the top five here. Uh, we're looking at, at Colorado, who won a playoff series because of the trade, as you mentioned. They got this early pick. So th- this is a team that, you know, a lot of teams uh, maybe in the top five are missing a piece or two before they they're even can even talk about playoffs. Colorado's already a playoff-ready team. So to add a, a, a kid like Alex Turcotte, who may not be ready this season, but, but is is close to being NHL ready. Uh, uh, he's the pick for Colorado at number four. Yeah, and, and the the other thing about Turcotte and and Colorado, we know they have their big three that are that are offensively gifted and and can put points on the board in a hurry. Um, Turcotte is is the competitive. 200 foot style center. So he's going to give that second line um, or third line, wherever he eventually slots in um, a little bit more responsibility. He might grow into a, a, a penalty killing type uh, two, two weight number three center. And it's not going to be a bad pick. And that's a good fit for Colorado. Uh, moving on, Chris. Uh, no, uh, tread, light, tread lightly, sir. Go ahead. No, it's uh, Mark Mark Scheiger. Oh, is it Scheiger gets LA. the Scheiger gets the Kings. Okay. Yeah, he he. Tre- your faith is in his hands. Yes, tread lightly, sir. <laughs> tread lightly on. Well, three and four went as I expected, just in reverse order. So not really much of a surprise seeing Byron and Turcotte go in those spots. Right. The Kings need help everywhere. <laughs> right. Mean, if, if Byron was if Byron was there, that would be the pick. Because that he's the best, sure. in my mind, the best available player. But he's gone. So, look at all the centers. You've got Trevor Zegers available. You have Kirby Dotz available. You have Dylan Cousins available. You have others that are available as well. Um, 
So this really comes down to preference. I definitely feel like that if the first four picks break the way that they did, they're going to look at a center, and I think they need immediate help. I mean, the Gabriel Velarde situation, I tell you what, how that's just mm. very unfortunate. You know, yeah. 11th overall pick, back problems, career kind of up in the air. No one really knows what's going on. So they need to get that center and see the guy that's the closest. Oh, stop that. Sorry about that, sir. <laughs> That's okay. The, the, I think the guy that's the closest to the NHL, I mentioned it at the beginning, is Dylan Cousins. And I know that there are some that are maybe a little bit down on him, maybe not thinking that he's a top five player, but just everything that he can bring to the table. Um, big center, uh, would go great with Rasmus Kupari whenever he is ready. So uh, the fifth pick for me for the Kings is going to be Dylan Cousins. And in the past, the, the, the Kings have loved drafting big players, and he's 6'3", 183. He could still put on another 10 pounds onto that frame and, and be the uh, kind of the, the bigger he – play, he plays with his body. He's, he's a physical-type centerman, and that's kind of in the, the Kings' MO, although they're going towards, uh, obviously, the quicker skill-oriented. Mm-hmm. But he also carries – uh, great skating ability with him, good vision, good hockey IQ. He can slot over to right wing too, if the mm-hmm. if, if need be. Very versatile player in the forward position. So, um, not not a bad pick for the Kings going forward, as you mentioned the game. And, and real quick, don't discount it. Don't discount a trade with the Kings. I mean, if they feel like that he could be available a couple spots down, given how much help they need, they're a prime candidate to be. Um, possibly trade down from the number five pick. I think there might be a lot of moves on draft day. There's a lot of teams with cap issues that need to get under the cap. And um, the Kings not really in, in, in a cap crunch right now, but, but certainly could pick up more assets and speed their rebuild along by moving back. So that is something to keep an eye on strike. Chris coming in at number six with the Detroit Red Wings, sir, you're on the clock. Well, if I'm running the Red Wing draft, I'm throwing stuff all over the place now because not <laughs> only is there not, not the defenseman that I wish was there, I, I, Byron Masai, I like a lot of the defense between 10 and 15, but it's too early to pick them. So I would say it come draft day, if Stevie Y can't move up to the three spot to make a deal with Chicago and Chicago Detroit making a deal, not easy. Um, Forget about it. I, I would, I would look, I would look <laughs> to trade back to get a defenseman, but we're not doing. Obviously, we're not doing that. And the guy I was all ready in the weeds to take, Schiker just took. So <laughs> I'm really not happy. But I'll regroup. I guess I would take Kirby Doc. Uh, Detroit has a lot of young forwards. I know Doc is going to probably take a little bit more time. He's a bigger guy. But, again, he has a very high ceiling. He plays, he's a, you know, can express 200-foot center. There's a lot of upside here. He's got all the tools. He's got, he's got hockey smarts. He's got vision. He can play with a little bit of an edge. Uh, like I said, bigger guys usually take a little bit more time. But if I'm staying here at six, I think he has, you know, he has one of the better upsides of these of these forwards, uh, like six, I believe he's six four, two hundred. If I have that correct, I thought I wrote that down somewhere. But, yeah, right at uh, right really at one ninety eight. Okay, I really love Cousins because, in a nutshell, Cousin has size, 
skill and speed. I mean, that's a pretty good trio. Uh, but I would take Kirby Doc for Detroit at six. You mentioned the the Dylan Cousins and the and the speed in his skating. Um, that is the one knock on Kirby Doc is that his skating ability is considered average, and a lot of that was uh, Nick Hague's uh, original downfall coming not downfall, but knock on him. And he, he, he's done a lot of work in the last two years uh, with the Wait. Golden Knights working on his skating. So, it, it, you know, when you grow up to 6'4", 200 pounds, and you're 18 years old, you, there's, a, there's a little bit of an adjustment period that has to come into that. So yeah, it, might be, it might be a knock on – go ahead. No, I was just, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, in 2009, the Islanders had the first overall pick, and the name escapes me of who they took. But what I remember about the player was <laughs> he was clearly the number one guy, but they were kind of saying the same things about his skating. And, again, forgetting his name, he did a, do a very good job of improving his skating. Not that he's an elite skater, but he turned out to be uh, a top player, to say the least. So, uh, like you said, he, he is 18, takes a little bit more time. Like I said, you might have to, you know, some of these other guys in the top ten, they might get to the NHL quicker than Doc. But, again, we're talking about an 18-year-old. So even if it takes two, two and a half years, we're still talking about someone who's going to be 20, 21 uh, by the time it's in the NHL. Uh, you know, you're not that far away. All right. We're going to go over to Dan Harrison, uh, upstate New York. And if Buffalo can get their previous high draft picks, um, some talent around them, it might be a, a forfecta, if that's even a word. Uh, we were talking about <laughs> – in a, in a couple of years, the, the the metropolitan area down there is going to be a gauntlet to run. Um, if you got to go through Upstate and and Eichel and Darlene and, and company get it together, um, it could be a really rough road through New York here in the next couple three years. And the Buffalo Sabers are on the clock. And like like Chris just mentioned with Detroit, I think Buffalo's biggest need is on defense. You know, uh, there's a lot, an awful lot of rumblings here in Tampa that Sabres and the Lightning are work, trying to work out a trade that would send Ristolainen here to Tampa. Um, if, in fact, that happens, again, that just echoes the 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 fact that I think Buffalo's need, biggest need is on defense, but I would agree with Chris's take on it that that I, I don't know if if Soderstrom or Broberg are, are guys that are that are somebody that you take at, at the seventh spot. Uh that said, the Buffalo Sabres, I would take Trevor Zegris. I think this this guy has the ability to be an elite player in the NHL. Uh, he's a way, uh, you know, two-way forward. Uh, I just, I I think, you know, you, a lot of teams have to answer the question, do you go with the best, best player on the board at the time, or do you try to fill a need? Well, I think ideally you try to do both at, with the same pick, but if, if the best, if your need and the best player for your specific need is too far down on board, uh, you have to go with the best available, and that's what I'm doing here with Zegers. Yeah, it's six six foot, 175 left-handed shot, uh, comes with speed, comes with a 200-foot game. 
kind of a past, you know, he, he plays that physical pasty kind of gritty game and, and he, I'm, I'm quoting off uh, a website, uh, abrasive and gets under the skin of his opponents. Um, he's committed to Boston university. So probably let him go at least a couple years at, at Boston U and, and, See see where he ends up as far as the Buffalo Sabers plans go. Um, they, the Buffalo dismantled their team years ago and tried to go with the the grit game, and they're trying to get more speed and skill back into their game recently. Can you imagine if Buffalo could have somehow managed to have uh, Jack Eichel, Vander Kane, Ryan O'Reilly, and Robin Leonard on the same roster? How? Oh wait, never mind. Um, that did. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, never mind. Sorry. Uh, all right. So, so uh, Zergis is off the board to the Buffalo Sabers. That brings Edmonton Oilers and Mark Scheig on the clock, sir. Who who does Edmonton take? Huh. If it breaks this way, unlike the unlike Chris's pick when the Red Wings were upset, the Oilers couldn't be more thrilled because they have forever. See Yamamoto Kyler been looking for a goal-scoring winger, and there is no better goal-scoring winger in this draft than Cole Caulfield. And I I would think that if it ends up where he um, if 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 he falls if he falls like this, Edmonton is all over it. I would think they would have thought that he would have been gone, just given the overall talent that he has. He's got the Alex Brinkett size and five foot seven, but over seventy goals. I mean, he just he just he knows how to fill the net, and I mean, just we we don't need to make it harder than it is. If you can score goals like that, you have a place. And put him next to Connor McDavid. Oh God. Yeah, how <laughs> That's about all it? I need he to did. say about that. So. And, yeah, and he did that playing with Jack Hughes with Jack Hughes as his center. Um, so you you figure that pro- production um, can continue with a player like McDavid. Um, you you mentioned the knock on him that obviously five seven one sixty three, um, obviously speedy skill seventy two goals and a hundred points in sixty four games, uh, with he broke the career record for goals with one hundred twenty six previously held by Phil Kessel, and uh, on his way to Wisconsin University, but yeah I was wondering I was thinking that Caulfield might go to Detroit at six. Um, with Stevie Y coming in, you, you you know having a having a sniper with with speed and skill might be a nice a nice tool in their toolbox. Uh, but he he came down to Edmonton, and if he's there, yeah, Edmonton's going to jump all over him. Chris, we're going to Anaheim, the ninth overall. I just have a pick. quick question for Sh- for Shiger. I I I I think it's a good take. The only question I would have if I was an Oiler fan. Any hesitancy, given that they drafted Yamamoto a couple of years ago in the first round, who's one of their better prospects, who's also a smaller guy? Does that does that scare you at all? Not at uh, to me, not at all. Um, okay. Much we're talking about a much better player here. So just from the skill standpoint, yep. from a, just an overall sk- um, finishing standpoint, um, yeah. Me personally, I wouldn't have any reservation. I wouldn't expect them to either. Okay, and, and so, Chris, so Chris, T- 
yeah. to your point, they've gone through what twelve general managers and eight coaches since they drafted Yamamoto. So you've got a whole new regime in there, and 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 bringing in their own player like that, I don't think will be. If they like the player, I think they'll take him. Go ahead. All right, so now I'm up at Anaheim at number nine, and once again I'm cursing Mark Scheich's name because he just took the player that I was going to take. Uh, so, uh, the, the guy who's kind of, uh, I don't want to say he's under the radar, but he might actually be slightly fallen due to an unfortunate incident, uh, situation. The guy I really love in this draft is, um, is Peyton Krebs. And this guy has, I love this line I read about him. First line talent, but fourth line work ethic. He's a skilled forward. He's, a, he's a playmaker. He's got great hockey IQ. He's got a great motor. He's got leadership qualities, a lot of upside. Now, he did tear his Achilles uh, uh, within the last couple of weeks. Um, he's still visiting teams at post-surgery. He says a lot about the kid. Uh, I don't think he's going to, I could be wrong on this, flip too far in this draft because simply being, you know, everyone knows that it's going to take a couple of years. Uh, you shouldn't be rushing these kids. It cost him a spot or two, but um, I really like this player for Anaheim who needs to go to the next generation with their offense. They have some good – most of their young uh, forward pro- most of their young prospects knocking on the door. They do have a number of young forwards, but on the, on the main roster, they're already kind of uh, in good situation with young defense. So I'm going to go Krebs here at number nine for Anaheim. Peyton Krebs, center. Okay, I had to, he, he he's dropped down, uh, or he's actually higher than than uh, where where my reference material has him taken. Um, six foot one eighty three, left handed shot. Captain of his junior team and Canada's team at the U eighteen Worlds, skating hockey IQ, but not afraid to. Uh, play physical and go in the dirty areas to get his points uh, plays in all three zones. And just, just let me give some credit here. I'm using the hockeywriters.com, newsday.com and the hockeynews.com as a combination of, of player synopsis and, and, you know, descriptions of the guys and their stats and everything. So it's not like I'm, I'm spitting all this off the top of my head. I got to give credit where credit is due. Um, so no good pick for Anaheim. He's a little above, a little above where most of the other publications that I've looked at have him taken. Um, if we can get Dan and one more out of Shag yep. before we have to let Mark Scheid go. Um, Dan is on the board with Vancouver. Uh, I apologize. Uh, I have, uh, problem with it. I didn't hear Mark's for Edmonton. Uh, Mark took Cole Caulfield for yep. Edmonton. Yeah, Cole Caulfield. And I took, he is okay. off the and board. And I took so. and Krebs. Yeah, I got that. I, I was able to get back in. But uh, uh, our Vancouver, I think that the need is offense, offense, offense. And uh, I think a big forward, goal-scoring forward is what they're looking for. At number 10, I think Vancouver Canucks are taking Matthew Boldy. Yep, and and he's uh, 
slotted right right there between nine, 9 to 12 on most things I've been looking at. 6'2", 200 pounds, left-handed shot. Um, you got to lick that size. And I think that's something that Vancouver will like if he's available for them at number 10. Yeah, with Pedersen and Besser being being the, the, the young guns there, if you add another piece with a little bit more physicality to their game than, than what either of those two guys bring and can still put the puck in the neck, net, find open areas on the ice, and, and you know contribute to his teammates' success, even from the wing. Uh, Boldy's a good pick there for Vancouver. He's going to be going to Boston College, so... Look for him in a few years down the road in Vancouver. And now, Shiger, this is going to be your last pick, and we'll let you go, sir. Thank you for taking the time with us today. Um, go ahead and give us Philadelphia's pick at number 11. All right. Well, this is, it's interesting because this is the point in the draft now where you get outside the top 10 where you start, you're going to start to see some interesting things. A lot of teams trying to call up. You know, maybe a particular player is available. Um, going to be really interesting and probably a lot of differences of opinion here, but I want to give a little shout out to Charlie o, um, um, O'Connor from the Athletic Philadelphia. He does a great job covering them, somebody that I highly respect and follow. And in the mock draft he did in the Athletic, um, they ended up taking a defenseman, which kind of caught me off guard a little bit because I thought that their their defenseman was kind of their area of strength, you know, with Costas Bear. I know he had a down year and Provorov and Sanheim and some of the other guys are on their way up, but you know, he gave a well thought out explanation of trying to take um, a, a defenseman and he ended up taking Victor Soderstrom. Um, in my mind though, I kind of look the other way. I really feel like that they need finishers and the next best finisher is still on the board, even though I know he's got a lot of flack around him about his effort and you know, different things like that, but he scored 50 goals in his draft year. Um, it's, and to me, that, that's a perfect fit for a team that it could use some more goals. So for that 11th pick for the Philadelphia Flyers, they are taking Arthur Kaliev. Right winger, uh, Hamilton in the OHL. Another another winger with size, 6'2", 194, um, putting 51 goals and 51 assists on the board. I always love to see that balanced scoring coming from the wing. If uh, you're putting the puck in the net and, and chalking up, you know, close to equal number of assists, I love seeing the balance in, in that kind of game. Um, only the fourth OHLer to score 50 before his 18th birthday. Um, we'll see if he can grow in into that with Philadelphia. They've got a lot of good centers there, so um, they'll they'll be dishing the puck to him in, in a couple years down the road. Shy, thank you so much for your time today. We know you got it called into work, and we appreciate your time. You guys follow follow Shiger on Twitter at Mark Shig, S C H E I G. Columbus Blue Jackets, he did a great job for us uh, during the season. Uh, there was always a lot to talk about with Columbus coming down the stretch. Um, and and a great conversation with Mark as always. Uh, so make sure you follow him there and go to thehockeywriters.com for all of his Columbus content. Sir, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, guys. Really appreciate the time. Thanks. Thanks, Shiger. All right. So Shiger is off the board. That's going to bring Chris in to uh, take care of the Minnesota Wild at number 12, sir. Who you got? Well, this guy is kind of, uh, and I can see this playing out, 
fallen a bit. He was a guy who uh, just a month ago a lot of people had in the top five, uh, and that's uh, the butcher's name, Polkazini, Vasily Polkazini, who I'm probably butchering his name. But um, uh, I know he didn't have a great um, tournament in May, and I know he signed to play in the KHL the next two years, and there's always – you know, the, you know, worrying about having to wait on Russian players or have the Russian players leave. But at this spot of the draft, you know, this guy has been described as a high-end offensive winger who's a pit bull, and he's got size and he's got skill. He plays with an edge. Um, you know, again, he's got the two-year commitment to the KHL, so you're taking him and then you're waiting. But I think what's at this point – I think this is Minnesota's best bet, and uh, that's who I – That's who I, if I'm the wild GM, that's who I'm taking at 12. Yeah, there's this – this player seems to have some of the questions um, that that Russian players have been saddled with, some stereotypically, some not so much. Uh, see Vadim Shipikov and the Vegas Golden Knights, and also see Nikita Gusev for the other side who's been – um, no, nothing but uh, professional, the consummate professional uh, w- with the Golden Knights and, and the interviews we've seen after the season was that he's going to give the Vegas Golden Knights every chance to come and sign him first because they're the team that gave him the chance to come over as opposed to the other guy who wouldn't even report to the minor league even though he was you know, a, a numbers game and being waivers eligible. So th- this guy seems to be on the fence between that. He's got two years left in Russia at the minimum. Um, 6-1-196 left-handed shot. So that's – if Minnesota goes with Vasily – Vasily, sorry, at uh, number 12, that's that's obviously a project in a couple years down the road. Um, some I've seen his – rankings as high as fifth to the Kings and yep. as as low as fifteenth um, to Montreal and some other mock drafts. So this is a player that you know obviously has the skill and the size to be a uh, upper echelon talent, but I think maybe hey, the keep, question hey, go ahead. Keep in mind Mark keep in mind that Dan can attest to this. Stevie Y at six with the Red Wings, if he stays there, um, has not been afraid to draft Russians. Uh, Dan uh, can go into more chapter and verse and I history in Tampa with that. So I think that's a possibility for him there as well. Yeah, yeah you he, know, he, he, go ahead, Dan. Eisman, I mean, from from his time as a player in Detroit. I mean, the, the Russian five, sure. that was during the Iserman era. And in his, in his eight years here as GM in Tampa, he never hesitated. In fact, Gusev was originally drafted by the Lightning. That's but, correct. Uh, so, so uh, yeah, I, if, if – I, I got a feeling, and Chris said this earlier, that I think after the first two picks, we're going to – we may see some trades – moving up and down in Chicago, you know, uh, you laughed. We both laughed when he suggested there, there uh, you know, a possible trade between Chicago and uh, Detroit. But yeah. that might actually work if, if uh, don't, you know, Iserman had a, had, had a knack for making draft day deals. 
to either gain a pick by moving down or to get the guy he wanted, and he's never hesitated taking Russians. He has he has that ability where other teams hesitate because, as you said, Mark, they're not sure how, how easy it is to, to be able to bring them over to North America. Iserman doesn't shy away from that at all. So uh, I think if, if uh, Vasily uh, is available and they, Detroit cannot make a trade, I think we see him go at six. Well, the one thing I will say about a Chicago-Detroit trade now that Steve, Steve White is in uh, Detroit is there is a relationship with Scotty Bowman, obviously, over in Chicago. So that mm-hmm. they're not afraid to pick up the phone, I wouldn't imagine, and uh, have a chat about it at least. Um, be right. interesting if that goes down. Um, <laughs> it would, it would, it would certainly be a story to write. That's for sure. Anyway, uh, is Mark's gone, Chris? Uh, no, so Dan's that, up at thirteen. That's uh, going to bring Florida. Dan here with the Florida yep. Panthers. Yeah, and the Florida Panthers. You know, they made they made big headline news immediately after the season by uh, announcing they signed Joe Quenville to coach them. Uh, I think there's a lot of uh, anticipation in South Florida now uh, for the upcoming season, and their biggest need is uh, on defense. And you know, we talked about at 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 uh, Chris talked about it at the sixth pick, and I talked at the seventh pick that even though the needs might be stronger for a defenseman, that just weren't uh, a defenseman that you might want to take that early. But now at 13, uh, I, I think it's time. And there's a there's there's three or four, five defensemen right now that you could uh, you could pick at 13 between 13 and 18, and and you you'd be doing you, you'd end up with a good pick. I think Florida would take uh, Philip Broberg. He's a big defenseman, uh, Swedish. Uh, I, I I I like his size. Um, and from everything I've read, he's he's kind of a, a Klingberg-like player. Uh, I, I, that's that's who I think Florida will, if he's available, Florida will, will end up taking Philip Broberg at 13. Yeah, he was named the best defenseman at the U18 Worlds uh, for Sweden that won the mm-hmm. gold medal in the U18s. Uh, rated a two-way defenseman. Um, Upper echelon, borderline elite skating ability, uh, with a six-three, two-hundred-pound frame. So you, when when you get that, when you get a big body that that has elite skating like that, that's a good pick. And, and if, if uh, Broberg comes off at thirteen, this could start a run of some of the other available defensemen uh, in the mm-hmm. next few picks here. Uh, a good good pick for Florida. I think that would be a good fit. Um, I think that that's a good pick for. A, for them if he is still on the board is what I'm trying to say. Um, okay, Florida's, Florida's off the board. Let's go to number 14, Arizona Coyotes. Chris, who you got? Uh, yeah, I'm going to talk this out because this is Shiger's. This was going to be Shiger's pick. I'm going to talk this out with Dan, and we're going to see if we can figure it out here. Now, clearly, right, Dan, uh, Arizona needs some more offensive punch on the main roster. Uh, they did have the top, um, the fifth overall pick, Barton Hayden. Uh, he's not. I don't think he's that far away at center. Their two other top prospects are on the blue line. So 
um, you know, kind of they're not heavily loaded either forward or defense in their in their pipeline. They could use some more offensive punch, but again, at this point, I think they'd be doing themselves a disservice by not taking the best player on the board. I think there's more possibilities here for defense than forwards at 14. But question I have for you, Dan, how if you're floor, if you're Arizona, uh, I don't have it in front of me, but uh, Antti Ratna. Uh, it's got what three more years to go on his deal. Are you? How much would you consider Spencer Knight here for Arizona at fourteen? You know, it's funny, Chris. You and I talked earlier in the week about goalies going in the first round. It's it's and and to to take a goalie at fourteen. You know, we, we look back in the earliest over the last. 10 years that a goalie's been taken was 19 by the Lightning when they drafted Vasilevsky a few years ago. I don't know. I, you know, I, I, I would agree with your original premise that I think Arizona would be looking for some offensive help. Uh, and the guy who stuck out for me of the available players is Alex Newhook. I think, yeah. I think he's got speed. I think that if, if, I, you know, there's no question that that Spencer Knight is the best goalie in the draft. But do, does a team pull a trigger, uh, you know, for a goalie at 14? Maybe, maybe they do. Uh, but I think they're, you know, this is another team that surprised many last year because they're knocking yes. on the door of the playoffs. And and if 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 and again, uh, it's not like New Hook's going to come in. You know, it's be a couple years before he's ready to go. But but it's certainly going back to to Mark's point earlier in the show when he said, you know what, if 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 you need a defenseman and you have defensemen, you you and but the defenseman is the best player on the board, you take them because you can never have enough talent. And I I would agree with that. And that being said, you know I think. I don't think they could go wrong with any defenseman, but if they're looking for offense, and I think they will be, I think Newhook, because for uh, through my work, my research, I had Newhook, Newhook taken 9, 10, 11, and 12 in that range. And if he's still available right. at 14, I'd grab him. I, I, I agree with you. And what I like about Newhook, too, is not only is he really good offensively, and he's a good skater, and he's got speed and all that. But he's also, uh, the scouting report on him also is he's a really good defensive player and a heck of a penalty killer. So you're getting a very well-rounded mm. player here. Uh, I agree with you. I think Newhook w- would be a uh, pick for Arizona, which uh, uh, makes, a lot of, uh, makes a lot of sense. Don't you agree, Mark? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm looking at Arizona's goaltending pipeline on elite prospects right now since we're roundtabling this pick. Um, there's <clears throat> excuse me. There's and not... I don't think that they have a young and in terms of the real world in terms of what will really happen and we're doing this if this was us but in terms of what Arizona you know they had a very young GM obviously and the young generation does not really believe in taking goalies that this high, 
I, now, whether or not this will be the exception to the rule, I think it will be a consideration for Arizona. Um, but uh, and I'm not, I wouldn't fault them if they took Spencer Knight. But uh, uh, I think Newhook makes makes sense. But what do you what are you thinking, Mark? Yeah, I mean, I'm lo- I'm looking at these numbers for their prospects. They're, obviously, their next up on the board would be the AHL, and you've got uh, Aiden Hill with a 906 save yep. percentage. You got Hunter Miska with an 895. You got Merrick Madsen with an 889. That's not blowing me away. Um, you got a Russian kid in the OHL with a 910. Um, they have someone Kempler, in the kit. And Kempler and Ratnan are not old, but they're veterans. So yeah, that's not your uh, prospect. I mean, if you're taking a goalie this high in the draft, you're thinking uh, two or three years down the line at least. You're going to want him yeah. to finish his finish his junior years, and then maybe college, or at least one or two years in the AHL. And I don't see anything in their pipeline that's blowing me away where this is their, you know, heir apparent to the, the journeyman think, veteran yeah, that think, they have on their roster. I think, Hill, I think Hill by the hockey dudes is their highest ranked goalie in the pipeline. Yeah. I mean, if they, you know, if they want to go scoring in their, you know, philosophically against pulling a goalie um, that high, then, then yeah, new hooks probably the, the best guy left on the board. If they're not going to fence, um, they do need to have a little more, more punch up front and superior skating stick handling skills high hockey iq um 38 goals 64 sits and 53 game 53 games uh mvp of the british columbia hockey league so you probably got leadership abilities there as well um so that yeah not a bad pick if that's i mean if they're going if they're going scoring forward center um certainly that's the way you go So is that, is that your pick? That, we're, we're taking him yeah, off the board? Yeah, that's the pick. We're going to go with New Hook at, at Arizona at 14. Okay, well, we're going to put Montreal on the clock, number 15, our last pick here in the fourth annual NHL mock draft on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Dan, you're on the board with Montreal. Oh, actually, that's me. Is that, you just did Arizona. Yeah, that's it. No, we, me and Dan yeah, did. That was, well, that was, that Arizona was, was Shike's pick. We did okay, it kind of so, together. I got you. We're not going to – okay, sure. Okay, coming to you, Chris, then with Montreal. And I would take Victor Sadish from here. Uh, Puck movie, E-man, you know, good vision, smooth skating, good two-way game, smart player, mobile. There's a lot to like here. If you're Montreal, I think you would be very happy taking Sadish from with the 15th 15th pick. Yeah, for sure. He's – you know, if if we're going to do the run on defensemen here after Broberg goes, then uh, yeah, Soderstrom's the way you want to go. Six foot one eighty. The uh, skating's d- described as as gifted and graceful. Um, it has a great shot. Could be a future. You know, if you're we're projecting down the road, he could be launching that shot on the second power play unit there in Montreal in a few years. He already has 44 games playing in Sweden's top pro league. So he, you know, he's already has experience playing against, you know, full grown men, if, if, if you will. Um, 
He's got one more year on his deal in, in with his team there in Sweden. So, you know, you let him, let him finish out his deal and then you see if he wants to come over then sign his e- e- entry level contract, um, and, and get him in the system. So not a bad pick, uh, for Montreal grabbing the defenseman at 15. Well, we do want to get into the Vegas Golden Knights. They pick 17th. And uh, we got we got Colorado in the way here, so we got to put an asterisk yeah. on that. And uh, assuming that Colorado doesn't take the player that we're going to talk about or players, um, let, let's start with Dan. I, I, me and Chris cover the Golden Knights all the time. So, Dan, we'll, give me a quick rundown on, on what your thoughts are on the Vegas Golden Knights uh, prospect pool and what the needs are. Uh, in in the farm system there for the Vegas Golden Knights. Well, I think that uh, you know you mentioned earlier they, they in that Mark Stone deal they gave up a a probably their top defensive prospect uh, in Banstrom. I, I I think that their biggest need and I think what they're going to look for, it, like you said, we they, we just started the run on on defensemen and there's still uh, uh, three of them that they can pick from. Uh, but I, you know, I for that the speed of that team, I like Cam York as a defenseman for them at seventeen. Okay, Chris, uh, you're you're uh, George McPhee. You're about to hand the reins off to Kelly McCrimmon. Obviously, there's a brain trust going on here. So if uh, Dan's going to do our GM, GM, you're Kelly McCrimmon. Give me the. Uh, other side of the coin, play devil's advocate to the need need to take a defenseman there with the 17th pick. Well, I like Cam York, and I think he's going to be like right around too. this area. Uh, I, I like both Cam York and Thomas Harley. I think these guys are safe. You know, I don't know where this came became as a bad term, but I think they're safe picks. I think uh, these guys, to me, have second parent, future second-pairing D-men written all over, all over them. Uh, York has probably got a little bit more off, upside offensively. I think those two guys are considerations uh, on on defense. I think at this point, if you were looking at forwards, it might be a little bit more risky, but maybe more upside with a, a few guys, one of which is Raphael Love, the big power forward. Again, those guys usually take a little bit more time, um, but Vegas is in a position to do that. And then we have Spencer Knight, um, yes, uh, which do. I would say would be – now, that is assuming – because I've, I've read a lot. A lot of people are conjecturing that they think uh, Colorado at 16 could be a player for Spencer Knight. Now, the big question for me there is obviously, one, how they feel about Spencer Knight, who uh, is – the book on him or the scouting report is he's a great athlete and he has strong fundamentals. So it's a pretty good combination. Um, you know, where does Phil Grubauer, who's, you know, in, in the prime of his career, and now I get it, you take this goalie, you're you're looking, let's be honest, you're looking three years down the road. And so does Colorado do that? Um, Grubauer will be three years older. From a Vegas standpoint, as we've talked about Mark, Marc-Andre Fleury, who I believe is 34 now, um, he just is entering his three-year, new three-year extension. So the timeline there uh, could really work for Vegas. 
Uh, I think um, assuming Colorado uh, doesn't get in the way, I mean, if Colorado takes Cam York, uh, I think Thomas Harley is a is a guy to look out for as well for Vegas. So do you go defense there, or who could be on the team within a little bit quicker, or do you go Spencer Knight, um, assuming that he's there? I think that's a tough call. You could make an argument either way. Um, Spencer Knight intrigues me. I know it's more of a longer-term investment. Uh, I would be very tempted to take him if I was Vegas. Yeah, I agree. The Cody Glass came to the Chicago Wolves and completely, I think, surprised the organization by how well he played. The I believe it was a Kelly McCrimmon quote um, that they were talking about Cody Glass and his his you know the fortunate run that the Chicago Wolves had to the AHL final. Um, he had some very big moments, tied for the team lead in goal scores during the playoffs. Uh, a couple overtime game winners along the way. And they look at this playoff run in Cody Glass as it, it, the quote was an extra season of development. We feel Cody has gotten by being able to play with the wolves this year in the playoffs. And to me, that's if you read between the lines and, and, you know, all the lines, um, they do have their, their cap problem that they have to deal with. Obviously, Cody Eakin is one of the names that would give cap relief. And if, if we've talked about this, if, if they if they're putting out kind of smoke signals like that, you pay attention here. Uh, the Golden Knights development camps June 25th to 29th at the City National Arena, open to the public. If you're here in Vegas, go down and watch Cody Glass play. If he fits in well and dominates that camp, if he looks like he is a man among boys uh, in that group. I think that they're thinking that Cody Glass might be ready to take that third-line center role, and if he can have Gusev and Tuck on his wings, that's a heck of a third line for Vegas following the the, Marsh, the Carlson line and the Stasny line. Um, so if you're going to – let's say Cody Glass is, is up for good. There's another Suzuki that was drafted by the Vegas yeah. Golden Knights who's no longer present, and – Six one hundred and eighty pound Ryan Suzuki. Yeah. Um, if you want to build a little more depth at center, because in my in my opinion, there's there's two defensemen that they think may make the the big club out of camp, and White Cloud is a I, Jesse Granger who writes for the Athletic. I want to give him credit as well. Um, he's been on local radio a lot talking about the Wolves during their their playoff run here, and he says Zach White Cloud has maybe moved ahead as far as the timeline of Nick Haig. Nick Haig's skating has improved tremendously. His offensive <clears throat> upside is starting to assert itself. But Zach Whitecloud right now has, and I'll quote Jesse, fewer holes in his game and is a more NHL-ready player. And then Nick Haig is right behind him. And then you have uh, Bischoff, who's coming, and a couple other demon that that are a year or two away, which is a timeline factor with the age of some of the defensemen that the Golden Knights have with Holden in England, maybe playing one more year, maybe not. Uh, Colin Miller possibly being rumored to be on the move. So I think your D pipeline, although there are good, I like York as well. Um, if they're thinking 
to re- replenish the centered position, which isn't quite as deep, I wouldn't be surprised if they go Ryan Suzuki there. I think the whole. I think you can make arguments mm-hmm. for those those three guys, and and it really comes down to their scouts and what they think of them. Obviously, Colorado will have, could have an impact, although Colorado could pick somebody else. Um, but yeah, I I I I could see those three names as as very distinct possibilities there. You mentioned Lavoie too. I think on the board, if they, if they want to get a little bit bigger down the middle in the third line center than they have been, and anything that's in the pipeline, I think Lavoie might not be a bad pick either. He's six four, two hundred pounds. Um, yeah. Strong skating ability. Again, when you have the size and the skating ability in a combination, that fits kind of what the Golden Knights like to do because everyone thinks speed, skill, but this is a physical hockey team as well. Um, so Lavoie, Lavoie might be someone to keep an eye on too. I, I don't have a problem if they if if Spencer Knight's available that you take him at 17. I, I don't feel like uh, using a first round pick on a goalie is a mistake. A lot, I mean, a lot philosophically, a lot of teams just feel that way that you can get a goalie and develop them and and trust your staff in the next three to four years to bring them, bring a goalie along. If if you think that this Spencer Knight kid is is got the the ceiling of being a potential franchise goaltender who could be ready um, maybe a year or two after this three-year deal on Marc-Andre Fleury is up and you think Legacy and Dance can bridge that gap into a Spencer Knight, um, then I have no problem taking Spencer Knight either. I'll give you one last nugget before we get to the Stanley Cup Finals and from a Vegas nugget. Remember, one of George McPhee's last drafts with the Capitals. It might have been his very last one. If it was, it was one of his last drafts. He had a pick around 20, 21, 22, and he had a very young Braden Hopi on the main roster who looked like going to be their goalie and has been for years to come. And what did George McPhee do? He took Samsonov, who was one of the Capitals' top current prospects, the goalie there you go. out of Russia. And so, you know, because he felt that was – the best player on the board and the and the the best move to make, even though he had a young guy in Hopi. So uh, George McPhee is not afraid to take a goalie around this spot. Uh, there so you go. Samsonov is one of the top twenty prospects in all hockey. He is one of the top goalie prospects in all hockey. So uh, just to throw that out there uh, in terms of uh, the possibility, more food for thought in terms of Vegas taking Spencer Knight. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Excuse me, I've seen I've seen him off the board to Florida at thirteen. I believe the old NHL dot com guys did that, which surprised yeah, I, me. I, I I see him off the board on on the Newsday uh, mock draft that I was using too. I that surprises me too, and I think I I, I don't know if I'm Florida and I'm going to sign Bobrovsky and and yeah, that's I don't settled, yeah then. You know that's going to be a long-term deal. I don't think you draft yeah. a, a goalie that high if you're investing the next seven years, six years of of your franchise into a goalie. There'll be there'll be other goalies available in the next three years that you can stock your pipeline with. I think they go more, uh, you know, another direction. Yeah, yeah. Go, yeah. Well, Dan, we just finished the the season there with St. Louis and. Boston 
Um, give me your, let's get into the Stanley Cup. That's going to conclude the mock draft portion of the programming. Um, so let's, let's, we wanted to do this with Shig, but he was limited on time today. So let's, uh, let's do a little, little bit of round table here on the Stanley Cup finals. What, uh, obviously the, the, the Bennington angle, uh, boy, did a rookie goaltender on the road at Boston in game seven, uh, boy, did he, did he stand out to me? Um, Ryan O'Reilly had a great playoff run. I, I still think maybe Rask could probably got some votes for a con Smythe. Um, phenomenal play, but in, you know, when it mattered most, I think Rask was just a little bit above average. I would have liked to see that first goal stopped. The second goal. Yeah. Put it on Marshawn. I, I don't know what he's thinking there. You're, you're going for a line change, but there's only seven seconds left in the period. I right. don't, I don't, you know, what are you doing? But anyway, what are your thoughts on, on the Stanley cup final and the St. Louis blues? Well, you know what, you, yeah, hats off to the blues, you know, uh, obviously, you know, a lot of, a lot of people thought them to be a Cinderella story of sorts because they were in last place in the Western conference at the beginning of uh, January. But you know what, uh, no team in in the off season last year made more personnel moves than St. Louis, and clearly, it takes some time for new new players on a team to 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 begin to gel and work cohesively. Uh, in fact, it cost cost the, their inability to do that over and over cost their coach uh, his job. But I think. Uh, uh, you know, hats off to them. They were they had to play well in front of a rookie goalie who himself played, you know, on his head at times. Uh, you know, in Game Five though, he looked like a rookie, uh, or was it Game Five or Game Six? You know, the, the one game we had to get pulled. Uh, clearly, he looked like a rookie, but but you know, St. Louis just never they never quit. Like you said, O'Reilly had a great playoff, especially in in the final series. Uh, you know, kudos to them, their first cup in in franchise history. Uh, and you can't say you, you know congratulations enough, especially knowing what they had to do. First of all, just to make the playoffs, but then to go on the run that they did throughout the Western Conference before beat Boston in the Cup. Uh, it, it was a very good series, I thought. I mean, Game Seven, like you said, rookie goalie winning on the road. Who would have thought? You know, if, if you submit that script to Hollywood, they reject it because nobody would believe it. Yeah, I think it'd be right underneath the Vegas Golden Knights script from two seasons ago, um, yeah. <laughs> on the bottom of the waste paper basket. Um, you know what stuck out to me, Chris, was the St. Louis Blues ability to keep what many people were saying throughout the playoffs is the best first line in hockey off the off the score sheet at even strength. Bergeron, Pasternak, and Marshawn had a combined total of one goal and one assist even strength in this seven-game mm-hmm. series. And the once they figured out how to kind of stay out of the penalty box um, – which was what we harped on in our in our Stanley Cup final preview show, and in the first mm-hmm. you know 
first couple episodes. Once they man, like the first three games, I believe they gave up 14 power plays and game three, when like, like Dan said was when Bennington really, you know, looked a little bit out of sorts and giving up four of those goals were power play goals. Uh, Boston was four for four on that power play in game three, but zero for five in game one and zero for five in game two. Um, once they were able to stay out of the box and keep that game even strength for the most part, St. Louis was the able to keep that big three and Krejci limited to, uh, to a large extent off that scoreboard and, and decidedly win the even strength battle. And, 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 that's where I think the series was won. No, I think it's an excellent point. Uh, two things occurred to me, and these are more big-picture things after the series was over. And one was, what a frustrating, rough loss for the Boston Bruins and their fans. I mean, if you go back and think about what could have been, I mean, the first two periods, from puck possession to territorially to – opportunities. I mean, Boston really dominated that game. I mean, they would outshoot, they outshot them 23 to 10 in the first two periods, but uh, St. Louis converted on their opportunity, converted on, uh, you know, Boston's mistakes or, or, and, you know, maybe the first goal, like you said, Raff in that game, you need him Mm. to be special. Clearly, clearly Billington was special and, and, but yet, Boston couldn't overcome that. I mean, there was one play, I'm trying to remember if it was in the second period or the third period. I think it was Nordstrom and Billington made in a ridiculous pad save, but <laughs> if he flips the puck, it's a, it's a goal. So I, I think of especially those first 12 minutes or so, if Boston gets a goal and goes up one nothing, what could have been? So I look at it from that perspective. Yeah. And then from a Blues perspective and a league perspective, I look at the last two years, and we have the Capitals win last year, and we have the Blues win this year. And these teams, even though they're very in different conferences, there's a lot of similarities. It's the first cup for both franchises. But for the last, really going back to the 80s, both teams have had, most of the time, have been really strong teams. And I've been the team saying, well, watch out for Washington to make a run. Or watch out for St. Louis to make a run. And both teams really have, you know, had playoff frustrations on on, on top of, uh, despite the fact that they had really good teams. Who would, they were right there, and they just couldn't break through. And I think both, and they both considered top-notch franchises, but they just couldn't, they just haven't been able to break through. And now we've seen in the last two years these two franchises break through. Break through. So it kind of was a little bit of a theme for me for the Caps and the Blues these last two years to finally have broken through. Uh, and I think I see a lot of similarities between the two two clubs. Yeah, I agree. The the you know and, and stick cap to Charlie. I mean, it came out yesterday that his jaw was broken on both sides. And oh, the right si- the right side of his jaw was in two pieces, completely. Oh. And they had to, they did put pins in it. And uh, come on, man, that's that's ridiculous. Uh, 
Char has always been a warrior, and uh, I, I gotta tip my hat to Zdeno Chara for playing through that. That's that's uh, that's ridiculous. Um, the the other thing too that that stands out um, the the Blues I think were physically able to wear down that front line and the rest of the, of the Boston Bruins. It, it it shows me that the the movement towards speed and skill is is all well and good but physical responsible two-way hockey can still get it done in the Stanley Cup playoffs and boy that's what these St. Louis Blues were they had uh, Sunquist suspended and Barbashev suspended for game 6 um later in the series and i think that contributed a lot to the game six result Barbashev's a big part of that presence for St. Louis. Um, but it, it, it just goes to show that a little bit of that old time hockey still, it can still be successful when you have guys like a Ryan O'Reilly and a Tarasenko, uh, Braden Shin contributed some big goals throughout this playoff run. When you have, when you have skill and, and speed, but you're also willing to play that dirty physical style and, and, put your body on the line and, and be responsible defensively and not just high, high tail it out of the zone and, and hope you're going to win six, five that might work in the regular season. But when you come Stanley cup playoffs time, it becomes a different game. And the St. Louis blues proves to me, there's still a place for the six two, 220 pound power forward in this league. And, and for me, for me, I I'm glad to see success come from that style. I like speed. I like skill. I like seeing goals scored, but you know, the big attraction for me is, is two way responsible. I'd rather watch a two, one hockey game than a six, three hockey game. And, and kudos to the St. Louis blues for, for showing that that style can still be successful. And, you know, Chris, you mentioned it too. Washington, Washington plays that hybrid style game too. They're they're certainly not afraid to be a physical, uh, physical defensive presence especially with uh trots there um but also obviously they have a, a high high-end talent and skill on that roster as well and i think the the solution going forward isn't one way or the other but to get that hybrid style and vegas plays that style as well so um i, I that's the other takeaway i'll get from the stanley cup final is that some of that old time hockey is still going to win you some championships, sir. Yeah. And I got one last, as we wrap up, I got one last one for Dan and that is Dan, you know, um, it, it seems to be the, the tea leaves, uh, have said, uh, those who have read the tea leaves believe that there's going to be a lot of activity between now and, and draft weekend. We started seeing a couple moves yesterday, uh, before free agency, we're going to see a lot of trades. There's a, there's a lot of motivated teams that appears out there, be it salary cap crunch, be it uh, wanting to get better and address certain needs, uh, a good team like, let's say, the Islanders in offense, or a team like Vancouver who wants to take the next step, uh, or a team like Minnesota who wants to change uh, their structure with their one-year one year, uh, old GM, if you will, Um so what say you? Do you expect you know? Do you expect a lot of movement in the league over the next few days? Oh yeah, I definitely do. Uh, I, you know, think about 
if you're if you're a GM and you're looking at the next season or two, you're not going to sit back and wait because you've got an expansion draft coming up. So, and like 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 you just said, there's a couple of teams that, uh, and let's just take the Islanders for example. Uh, very few, if any, uh, had them picking, you know, had them uh, making the playoffs, let alone doing as well as they did. Uh, you know, obviously Trotz deserves an awful lot of credit for that, but but you know, this the team as a whole played very well, considering they lost. Uh, you know their their captain to free agency uh, uh, in the off season last year. I think we're going to see an awful lot of moves uh, from teams that are on the precipice of really exploding. And just to, to to Mark's point about you know this is a copycat league like most major sports. And the you know it's a good point about about Washington and, and St. Louis, the last two cup champions are kind of a hybrid. You know, the, it's clear from, from sitting here in Tampa, I've seen the Lightning become one of the leading teams in terms of that speed and high hockey IQ. They have a bunch of 5'9 to 6-foot players who are very fast and can, and can you know, can put the puck in the net in a six-five game. Absolutely, but they're, but they're lacking, you know, a, Wilson, a Tom Wilson type or a Ryan O'Reilly type, or 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 some of that physicality that we've seen. Now, is that, you know, I, I like the term hybrid because you know I hadn't thought of that. To be honest with you, I've been thinking, well, it's one way or the other, and maybe it's sour grapes on my part, but I've. I thought, well, yeah, of course we see it. We see the 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 physicality return in the in in the playoffs because the refs swallow their whistles. How many years have we heard that 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 the refs don't want to decide the outcome of a, of a series or a playoff game because they want the players to to decide the outcome? And I I think that's the problem because you know you know that's the problem that GMs are faced with. It, do you build a team that can win enough games to secure a playoff spot, or you know, do you try to find that that hybrid mix to be able to qualify? Because you know, a six foot two, six foot three guy who can't skate very fast. Let me tell you, that isn't gonna that formula isn't gonna work in the regular season, and you run the risk that you don't even qualify for the playoffs. Then you know what your physicality isn't going to mean a hell of beans come playoff time. So I'm interested to see. I think there's, you know, I, I personally think there's going to be an awful lot of trade trades made on draft day because I think from pick three through fifteen, I, I think we can see three or four, five teams wanting to move up or down in the in that grouping there because. We, there's a rash of forwards being taken in the top ten. Then there's a rash of defensemen, you know, let's say from ten to twenty. Yep. So it depends on their need, it depends on what their wants. Uh, I, I think that's going to lead to to it. Plus, you've got some teams who really need, you know, we've got some uh, high end free agents, and you've got some teams who've got an awful lot of cap room, 
and I think that's just going to the bode well for an awful lot of. I, I'm expecting an awful lot of action uh, in this off season. Yeah, dude, one one thing real quick, Dan. Um, to your point, swallowing the whistle, uh, the refs don't want to decide the games. I think we saw in these playoffs that swallowing the whistle does decide games. Um, or creating penalties out of whole cloth that didn't exist could also decide a game. Um, mm-hmm. you, I, I, I've always disliked that phrase in, oh, the refs don't want to decide the game. Well, take the slew foot in, in the final, for example. Mm-hmm. Five seconds later, the puck is in the back of the net. By not calling that penalty, um, it's very <laughs> – it decided a game, and I, and by not down, you're right. By, by not calling the penalty, you decided the game. Um, so I, I think, and, and a lot of people are going to take that away from this year's playoffs. You had the hand pass, you had the the Cody Eakin, not a major. You had the slew right. foot. You had the mm-hmm. the player who's not even technically on the ice as he's going for a line change get called for offsides in Colorado. Um, and, and to me, I don't see any conclusive replay that his left skate wasn't on the blue line as he goes to wait for the door to open. And then you mm-hmm. review that, and that's a reviewable play that can wipe a goal off the board. But a five-minute major and a, and kicked out of a game uh, is not a reviewable play. I, I uh, agree. We, I, I, the, the hybrid style is going to continue, and, and I call it the hybrid style, um, you know, it, it is what it is. You need speed. You need skill. You need hockey IQ. You need offensive awareness. But you need physicality. It's a physical game. You need to be able to go in front of the net and stand there and put up with a punishment. You need to go in the corners and, and be a David Perron-type player and keep that puck in that corner and take that abuse. And, you, you like, for example, Jaden Schwartz, he's 5'10", 190 pounds, but he's a banger. He's a gamer. He's a gritty player. 69 goals in 69 games this year in the regular season, 11 goals, uh, 25 assists. When you get that kind of player in the playoffs and there's a little more physicality, uh, allowed, um, Jaden Schwartz going into the cup final was my dark horse as con Smythe. He scored more, more goals in the, his first, uh, 20 playoff games this year than he did the entire regular season. Um, mm-hmm. And he's a guy that can go to the net. (coughs) All of his goals are dirty goals. He's not a freaking sniper for sure. But there there is and always should be uh, a place for that kind of guy in the National Hockey League. It'll be a different game if teams like St. Louis and Washington and and Vegas um, are legislated out of being competitive because they're – a physical team. And, and when you see teams like Calgary who won the Pacific and, you know, scoring lights out every night, um, yeah, you get in the first round of the playoffs, it's a little different ball game. And, and if you're not ready for that punishment, um, you could be going home early. And well, you know, I, I agree with you. And I don't want to, I don't want to see a lessening of the physicality because it, like you said, it is a physical game. I guess you know the 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 point maybe that I'm trying to make is that that 
and and I know that people say this year in and year out with the playoffs. I take your point about the slew foot. That was a horrible non-call. I mean, it was evident. It, it was evident the moment I saw it. I said, oh, man, that, they're going to call it. And they didn't, and it led to a goal. And it led to a game-deciding goal. I get it. But at the same time, to accept the fact that, oh, well, look, it's the playoffs, so the calls, the, the game is going to be called differently than it has for the, the previous 82 regular season games. To me, I think if there was a black mark throughout the playoffs, it was in the refereeing. And perhaps the, the, the refereeing has not caught up to the size and speed of this game today. And I think maybe that's the issue. And maybe that's what, why, you know, replays are necessary, why, why calls are being missed, because, because the, the, the sheer speed of this game today is, is perhaps beyond the capabilities of, of, of the referees. No, that's and I'll make point. one last okay. – I got one last point in terms of uh, activity – and what you guys are saying, you look at the last two years. The Vegas Golden Knights, an expansion team, makes the Stanley, makes the Stanley Cup final. This year, the winner, the St. Louis Blues, on New Year's Day, are last, are last in the Western Conference. Um, you had, uh, you have the Columbus Blue Jackets. Granted, they, you know, they only got to the second round of the playoffs, but won a series that no one saw coming. You had the New York Islanders who. Was a, everyone figured was a surefire lottery team that nearly won at over 100 points, beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. You know, granted they lost in the second round too, but I think almost every team in this league has got to feel like, well, why can't our season next year be something special? Like, right. you know, why can't we take that great big step, if you will? And I mean, look, look what the look at the Islanders, what the Islanders did with all, basically the same roster, less Tavares. Look what what Vegas did, or look at what St. Louis was. So I think all these examples, we know the parity is ever more so every year. But I, I think it's right there in front of them. And I, I because of all that, I, I think you're going to see a lot of teams, you know, be aggressive. I mean, outside of, you know, a team like Ottawa, who's clearly rebuilding uh, after the trades they made. No, almost every other team, or take maybe two or three exceptions, uh, they are going to say to themselves, why not us? And uh, uh, I think that kind of uh, mentality is going to open the door for um, a, a lot of moves. Yeah, absolutely. And and one one last thing I'll say for the St. Louis Blues, I don't think Craig Berube is going to be going thirsty anytime soon in St. Louis. That yeah. dude just uh, got himself a lifetime bar tab out there, huh? And an extension. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, all right, gentlemen, that's going to wrap up our 2019 NHL mock draft boys. Good job. Shout out to Mark Scheig again. Um, he, great job as always. It's it's a shame, you know. Yeah, he got called into work on a Saturday, but these things do happen. Um, Chris, I wanted. Are we? Uh, oh, that's a shame. I'm here. Oh, sorry. Um, 
Are we are we coming in next week after the draft, or are we going to take a week off and then um, hit a draft recap and a free agency preview show? Uh, what's our plans coming up? That's a good question. Um, I, I would say it's in limbo. Let's see. Okay. Let's see. Well, the the first round of the draft is next Friday. So right. I would say, tentatively speaking, it might make sense to do a show next Saturday. Uh, we can, there'll probably be a lot of uh, news in terms of the first round of the draft. And I got to think there's going to be a number of moves this week, uh, be it trades and leading into the draft or guys resigning. Um, you know, we didn't even get into the whole Jeff Skinner thing, his big new deal. So I think we'll, there should be enough there. And then, uh, and then one more show after that in terms of after July 1. And uh, yep. where it is officially uh, the Bobrovskis and the Panarin's the world and Duchesne's the world, yada, 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 go. Yep, uh, that sounds good to me. That sounds good to me. Uh, Dan, thanks for joining us today. Great insight as always. Follow Dan Harrison on Twitter. That's D at D-A-N-H-E-R-R-E-J-O-N for all of his uh, Tampa Bay Lightning content. He links it all through his Twitter page. Where else can they find some of your stuff, Dan? They can find me on lightninginsider.com. Uh, and I, I had a blast doing this. Uh, it, it's been very, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, definitely. It, it, uh, I look forward to this show every year because um, you don't often get the chance to dive down as deep as we have to to get this draft show put together. Uh, I, I usually don't have a chance to get to it, but this kind of forces me to get into the prospects and pay a little more attention throughout the year at risers and fallers and stuff like that in, in the juniors and the NTDP. So, yeah, it's, all, it's always a lot of fun, and you did a great job today, Dan. Thank you, sir. Thanks for having me. All right, Chris, that's that's going to wrap it up. We'll put out some tweets this week at Vegas Hockey Pod. Uh, Let everybody know what our firmed up plans for for the coming up last few shows before we hit the cottage for vacation here in the summer. Uh, Chris, thank you, sir. You guys can follow Chris on Twitter at the NL King and also go over to Ion Isles FS. Um, He's going to if he hasn't already dropped it, he's got a I'm sure he's going to have an article coming out on the free agent signing. Everly just re-upped five for five and a half, I believe. Is that right, Chris? That is correct. So I'm I'm sure there'll be some content coming out from that. So make sure you follow him on Twitter. Go to Ion FS to pick that up. I am at, at Vegas Hockey Pad on Twitter. And that's going to do it for this show. Thanks, everybody, for listening. For Chris, Mark, Dan, and Shiger, we're gone. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.